Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. My name is Mr. Craigers and I'm one of your hosts. And that over there is Miss Melmoy. That's me. And I'm your other host. Correct. And this is episode 72. Woo, we're getting up there. Ooh, we're, we're, almost, we're almost an octogenarian. Crotchety. And tonight we are going to be continuing our discussion about creepy urban legends Ooh. and spooky ghost stories and disturbing tales of true crime. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, we've each plucked, um, I don't know, a, uh, a tale or two. Yeah. That we're going to gather around the metaphorical campfire and share. But first, as this is our first post-Halloween 2019 episode, let's do some Halloween horror headlines. How was your spookiest day of the year, Miss Mill? It was pretty good. It was my anniversary, so that was good. Yay! Yay, so did that. Um, but that entire week was doing stuff. Like, um, um, a couple days before that, went to that um, lesbian haunted house in Fishtown <laughs> to say the whole, the whole thing. Um, the day before, the night before Halloween, went to the Mutter Museum to hear a lecture um, from a PSU professor about... It was actually very interesting. I wrote up kind of a summary of what he said that I'm going to post on my blog and we can post it to uh, the Splatter Chatter blog, basically about how pestilence and disease is kind of used in horror as a stand-in for the supernatural. Um, and to give you an idea of that, like one point he makes is zombies a lot because he's like zombies and the idea of them are supernatural. Like they come from supernatural um, myths and, and folklore and obviously there is nothing no scientific thing like on earth that will reanimate a corpse but the stand-in for that yeah, is they're always yeah. like it's a virus it's a disease it spreads through through spit through you know um, blood. blood through bites and that sort of thing um, but he talked about it specifically with Nosferatu which we then watched afterwards with a live orchestra playing um, mm. music along but, um, yeah, to get the, the full rundown of that, uh, you can look at the, the blog post, which we'll, we'll put out there. Um, but, yeah, then went out to dinner, saw some costumes, saw some kids. I made a jack-o'-lantern. Um, yeah, I had a, had a, I had a good, good Halloween. What, what were you up to? Um, I kept a relatively low profile. Mm -hmm. I was going into that week coming off of a wedding. Oh, yes. Um, for a very dear friend. So I was very tired. So I mostly just read and watched spooky movies. I also started not a new job, but started at a new location for my job. Nice. So it was kind of a chill Halloween for me. Um, I got some candy to hand out on the, the night of, but no kids showed up. So oh, <laughs> I know, right? My like building put out this whole thing and it was like, there's going to be little ghosts and goblins. If you want to partake, maybe like, they meant up. like, um, sign up. And they're like, like, great, get a sign, and then... Maybe they meant real ghosts and goblins. Maybe they did, and now the building is haunted, yeah. which I'm also somewhat could be, okay. Could be what happened. Yeah, and then the weekend after Halloween, uh, I guess well, that was last weekend, at the time of this recording, I went to go see another friend out of town for a Halloween party. Nice. Uh, so, or which was an after Halloween party, but you know, you know, mm -hmm. weird when Halloween falls in the middle of the week. Yeah. No one really knows what, what, quite what to do. No one knows quite what to do. No one knows quite what to do. So yeah, that was, it was a relatively chill Halloween week. I finished the creep show revival. Very good. Very happy that they're doing a second season. Um, I finished watching Marianne, which I highly recommend on Netflix because it's absolutely terrifying. Mm hmm and um yeah and a couple other 
couple other things here and there. Um, I just saw, I got a screener for The Nightingale, which is mm-hmm. Jennifer Kent's new movie, mm-hmm. um, who directed The Babadook. Ooh. And it was one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever watched, but a very important movie. I think it's on demand now on VOD, so check it out. Um, but like give yourself some space to process kind of thing. It's very heavy and very bleak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Spooky things going on. And, um, oh, and of course the big, the big to do right now is that Dr. Sleep is out. Yes. Um, which I might go see after we're done recording. Oh, <laughs> In fact. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting stellar reviews, yeah. which makes me happy. Well, and, you know, Flanagan. Flanagan. Oh, which? Yeah. Flanagan doing King while doing an homage to Kubrick with Ian McGregor. Like, what? Yeah. What? what? Too much greatness. Too much greatness. No, it looks very good. I would, I'm trying to debate whether to just give in and go see it or try and read the book and then... Oh, you haven't read the book? No, I have it. I just oh, haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 um, So we'll see. I also need to see The Lighthouse. Um, Parasite yeah, is finally playing near me. Same. So, Took forever. Yeah, so gonna see so that. see right now. It is. It's a nice... We are, we are blessed. We are blessed. I also want to see Jojo Rabbit really bad. Yes. Not in the... Well, I guess to some it may, it may be horror. Um, but no, that's supposedly getting very good reviews. Yeah. So good stuff out there. Tis the season, I suppose. We are moving into yeah, We're two weeks away from Frozen Two kids. Awards season. <laughs> and Frozen Two is on its way. <laughs> Which yeah, that'll that'll be Oscar nominated. So Oh yeah. No, and the early reviews of that were no one said this is terrible. They either said I just liked it or I loved it. So it's always good. <laughs> It's like this we'll fucking take sucks. It. We'll, take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, sounds good. Still, obviously, lots of um, creep to be kept up with, even though Halloween is over. So that is good and exciting and fun. Let's now start our campfire tales. You got your s'mores ready, Miss Mel? Oh my god, got- I wish. I want to get a um. I want to get a blowtorch from a kitchen. Oh my god! <laughs> That's everyone's reaction. I don't get it. Um. Yeah, because you know I like to caramelize. How could you use that? Before? Well, because you use it to caramelize things, to toast no, things. Wow. <laughs> no. Just buy caramel. Oh fuck's sake! Everyone had the same reaction to me being like, I think I want to get a blowtorch from my kitchen. Uh-uh. No, you're not on the Great British Mail. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You don't need to be, like, making souffles and shit. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. So somebody at work um, got this. Do you watch The Righteous Gemstones? No, but I've heard it's amazing. Okay, so everyone told me this happened on The Righteous Gemstones when they saw this item. Uh-huh. But she got this weird sort of... Um, self-defense item that honestly looks a little bit like a butt plug but okay. you you hold it and it's like a dull pointed end so you kind of just like you know the idea is you you pop somebody with it and it causes pain obviously okay. um but it's like like six inches long and it's like essentially sharp metal like it's dull but it's essentially sharp metal and i'm like why did you give this to me because she got a bunch of them because she wanted a specific color she wanted fashion in yeah. her self-defense, and then she gave away the rest. So I've been fidgeting with it, but it's, like, literally a weapon. So, like, I'm fidgeting with it by, like, poking myself <laughs> with it. And <laughs> my God. just, you know, and I'm just like, you got why did you give this to, like, you, I'm shocked you gave this to me. Yeah, that's, um, that's definitely an idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's maybe, maybe not the best one. Mm-hmm. They've but got you know, a, a gun like name. But they got them on the Righteous Gemstones, apparently. Oh, they got them on the Righteous Gems. So look up Righteous Gemstone self-defense thing, and that's... I, they've that's got real names. 
<laughs> I forget what they're called, but that's what it was. But anyway, Campfire Tales, super fun. Sans marshmallows, Sans blowtorch. Sans marshmallows, Sans blowtorch. Yeah. Look at these keys I found. I see. You found them? Yeah. They don't I mean, like, they belong, belong to me. Okay. I just like to know where they were. Did <laughs> you just find someone's keys on the ground? <laughs> these are mine now. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wasn't there, what was that thing you found? There was somebody's keys in my bed and nobody claimed them and it was really <laughs> weird. <laughs> the demon keys. Yeah, somebody had left their keys in my bed and they were clearly like apartment, like get into your house keys. Nobody ever claimed them. Nobody ever claimed them. Nobody like ever got back into their Somebody home. is still wandering. Um <laughs> Yeah, I eventually threw them out when I moved out because I was like, I don't know what to do at this point. So. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. I knew I had an idea for whose keys they could have been, but I was not about to like message these people and be like, are these your keys? Are these your keys? <laughs> wasn't exactly the best. Uh... <laughs> the, the cops show up at your door, ma'am. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, so that happened once. That was me. <laughs> But campfire tales and spooky legends. It's interesting. So I've got a couple um, that I... So I've got a couple from specifically from Mount Desert Island in Maine. Because oh. I've been doing a lot of research into that. I have one from an actual camp, as we know. And I've oh. talked to about a lot. I did not ever attend camp. I have gotten this from somebody who went to camp. Ooh. Yes. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yes. Tell me this one. The camp one? Yeah. Okay. So this camp is in, like, rural New Hampshire. Okay. It's a real camp. I don't know what it was called. It was on a lake, though, as all great camps are. Camp Which, lake. side note to this camp, apparently, like, you know, so they had activities, and then if it rained, they had, like, rainy day activities they would do. Yeah. <laughs> rainy day activities they would do is just the camp counselors would dress in creepy costumes and go just harass people in their cabins. <laughs> <laughs> While it was raining, they'd like knock on the door and be creepy and stuff. I was like, how is that a rainy day activity? <laughs> I feel like that's you and me as camp counselors. <laughs> what should we do in the rain? I don't know. Throw on this mask and go <laughs> scream in a kid's face. <laughs> um, evidently, they would leave clues so there would be some kind of like murder mystery element, but it seems strange. <laughs> That sounds so involved. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to, like, let the kids play, like, Monopoly in their cabins. I don't... Right? Like, what about going into, like, the craft cabin? Yeah. Like, making friendship bracelets. <laughs> so, anyway. Okay, so... That aside. So, they... It was a camp, and, you know, they had their cabins and stuff, but they had another part of the camp that was kind of, like slightly more outdoorsy and the cabins were meant to be like I think they were just kind of like tents almost like they were just more permanent tents and sure. basically they were used for like once a like everyone got one night where they got to go out into the woods and like actually camp and then right like in tents under yeah. The star. yeah yeah and they would go out and do this and stuff but there was one tent cabin whatever you want to call it set up out there um that was not used it was it was always out there, but it was never used. And they called it. They were like, "Oh, that's Allison's cabin." Like Allison lives there, and everyone's like, "Who the fuck is Allison?" Oh my god, I'm already creeped out. Right. So there's two there's there's two different versions of the tale of Allison. One of them is slightly closer to what may might be the truth, and one is like clear embellished. Um, in both versions, Allison is a camper who um, drowned in the lake. Um, in one version, it was that, um, in both versions, she, like, goes, somehow goes out at night. In one version, it was that she had some sort of, like, epileptic disorder, and she ended up falling into the lake and drowning. In another one, it was, this one is the one that's a little less probably true, because it was that she went out at night, like, she was maybe sleepwalking or something, and went out at night, and it was never seen again. Like, we don't know where Allison is. No, she's gone. 
Um, but they say, but you know, after that, they're like, oh, like nobody goes in there because Allison lives in that cabin. Like that's where Allison is. So like the spirit of Allison, or that's where Allison comes home to when she's done being a wilderness person. (laughs) (laughs) Or when she's done swimming. Um, but apparently this story was like very much part of the camp's stuff because they had, um, you know, like camp songs or whatever. And Mm -hmm. one of the camp songs was about swimming in the lake and Allison figures in this song about the lake. No way. So there's there's something to be done up here. I'm gonna have to get more information about um, Allison and this this sleepaway camp in New Hampshire. But now, did your friend? This was from a friend who went to this Mm -hmm. camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did they ever experience anything that made them feel as though Allison was real, or they just relayed? like this legend i think it was just a relay of of this legend like went out and did the sleep outside thing and then was like mm-hmm. what's this tent and everyone's like oh that's allison's like you don't go in there um so yeah it's that's it's crazy. interesting yeah yeah no and that's like because i never did camp so i was like you know and i would hear about these things like i know about the campfire tales about cropsy and like upstate new york so um yeah, this one is kind of a little bit Friday the 13th-ish for real. Yeah. I'd be curious to see, like, when this legend cropped up in relation to, like... That, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm going to do a bit more research and see, because if there's one thing I love more than hearing creepy stories, it's getting to the bottom of where they, where they came from. Because um, sometimes I think that's more interesting than, than the story itself, is figuring out how people put this together. Um but yeah, that's yeah. that's Allison and Allison's cabin at, uh, in New Hampshire. Allison's cabin. Well, I've got one you might like then because it's I've got the legend and the true story behind where it came from. Okay. Uh, which is like, which is confirmed. Um, you might have heard of it, but it was m- most prominent um, kind of around more so where I grew up. It's a Western Pennsylvania legend. Okay. Um, Charlie No-Face. Some people call him the Green Man. Oh, I've heard some various snippets of the Green Man, but I don't know it in full. Okay. So the legend of the Green Man was a relatively simple one um, that was prominent in Western Pennsylvania that was about... um, Supposedly, there was a young boy who uh, was, um, what do you call, what's like the official name for like bird watching? Whatever. I, one of those. I don't know. <laughs> he was like one of those. I didn't know it had an official name. And he was super into it. And he spied a bird nest, uh, I guess one day while he was out and about. And so he started climbing an electric pole to try and see, you know, like if the birds were inside, if there were eggs inside, baby birds, whatever. And since of course he was climbing an electric pole, he ended up shocking himself Mm -hmm. and falling, um, you know, from, from from a substantial height uh, from the electric pole. And the severe shock caused him, um, caused his eyes and his nose and his mouth and his right ear, I think, to melt, like, into. Yeah. So it disfigured him. Yes, it disfigured him. And it also, um, like, sort of crippled his arm. Um, The fall, I guess, Mm -hmm. the shock. And so obviously this is a very traumatic experience for someone to go through. And so the story was that um, because of the abuse that he suffered for his disfigurement and, you know, being made fun of and being Mm -hmm. ridiculed and whatnot, he ran away from home and um, found himself uh, an old abandoned house in the woods. um, Kind of does. As one does. Uh, And he... Um, and he lived there and, and that's where he chose to stay. And so he got the nickname supposedly of the green man because of the color of his skin, um, from the electric shock, which like Mm -hmm. changed the pigment and stuff. So it was said 
that he would wander along Route State Route 351, um, and he would feel his way around with a gnarled walking stick, mm-hmm. and he would go about in the middle of the night, and locals would spy him as he was searching along the road looking for roadkill to eat or berries to scavenge and if he ever came across you know someone driving late at night or young people out necking in the woods he he would chase them down and then when people came looking for him if they were purposely trying to find them he would set traps and he would catch them and they would be his sustenance Mm -hmm. And so that was the, the, the legend of Charlie No-Face. And that if you were driving around like Beaver County uh, alone on the back roads, they said that you could, you could run into him or find hmm. his cabin. Interesting. Yeah. So this legend um, is based in truth, actually. It is um, a twisted version of the story of Raymond Rob- Raymond Robinson. Okay. Um, who was actually badly injured in um, a childhood electrical accident um, when he was nine. Uh, very similar to the legend, he was climbing an electrical pole trying to reach for a bird's nest near the Murado Bridge outside of the town of Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. The bridge was... Um, Used, it, was, it was a trolley bridge at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was ni- it was 1919. Um, and so there were electrical lines, I mean, just sort of flying about everywhere, I imagine, because it was <laughs> you know, in like, <laughs> like those arm guys in front of the um, car dealerships. That's what I imagine this trolley bridge was. <laughs> just sort of just... <laughs> and, they're, and they're like cut off and sparking. They're just like flailing yeah, around. Yeah, you know, as they yeah. do. You're familiar. Yes. Um... And, but there, but there is some, I mean, like there's, there was obviously nothing like real, no true safety measures in place as we, as we would know them. Someone actually had previously died on the bridge from an electrical accident, like a couple accident, a couple months beforehand. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Raymond was, was shocked and it was a very severe accident. He, um, was not expected to survive, but he did. Um, and he was uh, severely disfigured. He lost his eyes, he lost his nose, and he lost um, most of his right arm um, in the accident. Yeah. So uh, he grew up living in the town of Koppel. And after the accident, he kind of just, you know, spent most of the time at home or with various relatives. Um, he very rarely went outside during the day. Um because he didn't want to um, bother people with his appearance. Hmm. It was his choice. It's like Quasimodo. Yeah, very much so. But he evidently became um, very um, crafty, sort of very skilled with, um, I was going to say with his hands, but I don't know if the one hand was functional or not. Mm-hmm. I say he um, kind of gained a reputation for making wallets and doormats and belts and okay. sort of like... So like a leather tanner yes, type. Yeah, whatever. The, a tanner, I guess he had good tanning skills. Um, and in order to sort of, I, I guess as it was according to, to his version of things, to um, not bother his neighbors or his friends... Um, when he needed some air or wanted to get out, he started taking walks at night. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some truth behind people glimpsing the green man, Charlie No-Face, walking around at night because he actually was walking around at night, not for any sort of sinister purpose or trying to find roadkill to eat. Yeah. Because that's when he knew he wouldn't be bothered and where he felt that he wouldn't bother other people. This is like a real-life Boo Bradley. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but there are, you can find, I mean, like his his story is out there. This legend has been connected to him. There are people that um, 
knew him that are still alive. He died in, uh, 1985 when he was 74. Um, but most of his neighbors at the time said that, um, when they would have a chance to talk with him, that he was very polite, um, that he was very kind and occasionally like he would, um, allow them to take a picture with him, you know, in exchange for like having a couple beers, you know, or like having a smoke together. Mm -hmm. Um, what's kind of interesting and definitely very sad is that as the legend started to grow, which happened while he was still alive, there were, you know, people trying to come and, and find him, right. To find the green man, to find Charlie, no face. Mm -hmm. And so there are actually several accounts of, um, Raymond being out on his walks and being hit by cars. Oh. Like of people having found him and like, oh, we're going to run him down. That's um, upsetting. It's very upsetting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he continued, but he continued doing his walks uh, and just and living his life. Um, mostly up until the end of his life, I think with in the last two years of his life, he stopped going on his walks and um he moved himself into a geriatric center in Beaver County, um, where he died uh, in 1985 when he was 74. Hmm. And that is the real life story, as well as the urban legend of Raymond Robinson, otherwise known as Charlie No Face, the Green Man. Nice. Yes, I had heard tell of, you know, the Green Man out in western PA and I knew vaguely that there was a real person associated with it but mm -hmm. too sad yeah I know isn't it isn't that kind of yeah sad there is um there's like a couple articles out there he has a wikipedia page someone at some point like bought the rights to his story to make a movie I guess mm -hmm. um but I don't think that that ever happened um, and there are, there are also pictures of him, um, for yeah. those who are curious. So, so yeah, that's a, a real life one for you. Well, I have another one that's not, so this is another one that, um, before I get into kind of, we'll call it the, the montage of ones about Mount Desert Island, <laughs> um, this is another one that it was experienced by a person. It's actually a, and you can find articles about it actually online for further reading. But um, a woman I work with um, went to Bloomsburg University um, and she was in a sorority. And it's a sorority that actually had a ghost. Um, it's going to get creepier. Um, so basically the sorority, yeah, so the sorority, it was Phi Sigma Sigma. Um, uh, I was hoping it was Delta Nu. <laughs> I feel like that's probably not a real sorority or else they wouldn't have. It's probably. They probably would have like sued or something. Um, but apparently all the girls in the sorority like have stories about this ghost um, in their, in their house. Um, you know, like when they're home alone or like nobody's, you know, everyone's out at a party and somebody's like the sober sister or something like that. Like people have tales of, of this ghost. Um, so, um, the name of the ghost, they call her Maggie now. Um, and this comes from a student who supposedly used a Ouija board. Uh. Who, um, found that, you know, and got out of it the name Maggie in the year 1934. Um, she went on to, um, and this was in 2007, she's getting this information. Um, she went online and looked up, you know, that name, looked some, did some digging stuff and found that there was a Maggie in Bloomsburg who died in 1934. Um, from reading this obituary, um, she was an older woman. I don't know if she, you know, worked at the university or what, um, and had a, daughter who had passed away before her, like several years before her. Mm -hmm. um, so they've had run-ins with Maggie in their, um, you know, their uh, 
house. Do I, I was like, what do they call it? Not dorm, house. They're sorority house. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and one creepy one that um, uh, a girl. So this this girl like what had happened was is she was in the sorority house one night and she just kind of like I don't know if she was drunk or she was just annoyed or whatever but she said something like you know like oh like Maggie can fuck off or like whatever this is your coworker yes yeah something to that extent so in some fat in some way she was like oh screw this or screw Maggie or whatever yeah um fast forward to where she lives now um in philadelphia um she she is she is a known victim of sleep paralysis like she has kind of those issues and that sort of thing and we have jokes about her sleep demons but one night apparently so her roommate was staying in her room with her for whatever reason like one of her roommates had like they had to they'd people over or something so she was staying in a room with her and um her roommate was talking in her sleep like just mumbling and stuff like whatever and evidently she said maggie's name like in her sleep and like Uh. this girl got got a little bit freaked out was like that's a little weird whatever um but she eventually goes to bed um you know and then later in the night the roommate wakes up like they wake up in the middle of the night, the roommate wakes up and she was like you know doing that thing where you're half awake and you're kind of still seeing things but she claimed to see um a woman at the end of this girl's bed um yeah so i don't know how much it's resolved i know that somebody there was somebody in the office who straight up gave her sage like one of those people (laughs) um because we were like oh like you probably pissed her off yeah like in some fashion like she like actually and it's funny because i'll joke about it and she'll still get like really tense about it but yeah, supposedly, and like there's, if you go online, you can find articles about this, this Phi Sigma Sigma house and like different stories from different sisters who talked about, you know, like, you know, the normal shit of like things disappearing, things closing, things opening, weird sounds, that sort of thing. But I thought it was a little freaky that, um, <laughs> It's freaky to hear a personal. Yeah, connection. yeah, and that's why why I included it in here is because it's to hear somebody be like, oh yeah, that's a thing, and also like I talk shit about it while I was in school, and yeah, have people bring it up to her now that she lives in South Philly and being like, oh like, did you see that woman at the end of the bed? Like, what? How's Maggie? Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a little bit creepy. That is a little bit creepy. That makes me think a little bit of. Did you have you seen any of the new Into the Dark uh, ones yet? Uncanny Annie. I did not see. Did I see Uncanny? I don't think I did. No, I didn't see the new one. No. I don't know why that kind of like made me think of that a little bit. Um, I guess because it's like there's the there's like the part where they're like fuck Annie, mm-hmm. and it's like oh you shouldn't have said that. Yeah, right? And I think that's like a, um, you know, common sort of taboo. Where right. you I'll piss off the... Yeah. Yeah. There was a, at the college I went to before I transferred to Pitt, there was a, one of the sororities had a ghost story mm-hmm. about a dead sister. I don't super remember the details. Something about she fell out of a window or jumped out of a window. Mm-hmm. She she had been jilted but she hadn't so she like haunted the one dorm room but i think she was friendly i don't know yeah (laughs) she she might have like held your hair back while you vomited right (laughs) ghost ghost we even had one of those stories at pit in one of the i don't know what it is about sorority houses like we didn't have the sorority houses at pit we had the blocks of um they had like a suite. Yeah, there's like apartments in the quad. Um, but the top floor was never, they never had people living in the top floor for what, I don't know what the official reason was for not using the top floor of that one building. I know it used to be a hotel. And the rumor is, is that there was a murder-suicide in the hotel when a wife caught her husband cheating on her. 
uh, at the hotel. So the claim is that's why nobody's allowed to live on the top floor because that's where it happened and it's supposedly haunted. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like Pitt's probably got more ghost stories than they let on. Yeah. Well, and they do sometimes, like, a couple of the student organizations around Halloween will occasionally do, like, kind of ghost walks and stuff. I feel like the cathedral's gotta have some. Yes. Um, I've heard some of the ghost stories in the cathedral. I mean, I know the American history room is supposed to be haunted. There's one for the, the Shenley ballroom, too. Oh, yeah. I think there's also one for the student union. Yeah, because that was also a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Up in the, the red study room. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Well, it's only appropriate that our alma mater would be filled with ghosts. Yeah. Cool. So tell me about this slew of other ones that you have. So I, as we all know, I went to Mountain Desert. I went to Maine, first of all. It's just, yay, Maine. Finally have gone up to proper New England. But afterwards, as I like to do when I go to a new place, I'm like, what are the spooks? What are the stories? <laughs> um, and Mount Desert Island's like, creepy. after, but not before. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, can, yeah, yeah. So you can, like, properly enjoy while you're there. <laughs> this and has not, been and fun. And now that I'm away, I will look yeah. up the scaries. So you're like, now that I'm safe. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, and I looked it up because, you know, Mount Desert Island's kind of creepy. There's one road onto the island and one road off. Um, Ooh, it's like the woman in black. Yeah. Um, you know, there are parts of it that are very touristy and then there are parts of it that are, there's actually, it's called the quiet side. It's officially called the quiet side of <laughs> the island, um, where it's basically people who live there year round kind of are more so. They don't want to deal with your tourist shit. Yeah. Um, but I went looking and I actually found a couple spooky stories and a couple of them, again, I can, there's one or two that, um, I can, I can give a, a personal uh, connection to on a couple yeah, yeah, yeah. of them, but um, so one of the big ones is, and I love like it's, it's such a like a gothic sounding name, the Ledge Lawn Inn, <gasps> yeah, um, in Bar Harbor. Um, it's this kind of big sort of mansion type thing, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of the last kind of what as they were called cottage cottages, which is like these mansions kind of made to look a little bit like bungalows and that sort of thing. Sure, sure. Um, but it was built in 1904, um, and it was oh, kind of... Bad year for building. Bad year for building. Spooky year for building. Spooky year for building. Um, and it was kind of a place, you know, it, it hosted a lot of parties, because the island was originally home to um, the Rockefellers, who built oh. a series of... <clears throat> and they're still there today. You, we, you can still use them. Like, they get used a lot for people who are hiking. They built a ton of carriage roads, which were off the main roads where they could you know, take their carriages between their different estates. Um, and the carriage roads still exist. They now just, um, they kind of connect different hiking trails and that sort of thing. But, you know, this was... cottages were like, they're like summer houses or yeah. something. Yeah, so there was some lavish kind of um, rich folk here. And the Ledge Lawn Inn hosted all sorts of parties and that sort of thing. Supposedly, as things always go with this stuff, the Hope Diamond itself was in attendance at one of the parties on somebody's neck. Um, The Hope Diamond itself is supposed to be super cursed. Yes, I've seen it at the Smithsonian. Yeah. Laid my eyeballs on it. Um, Yes, and that in and of itself is supposed to have many accurses. It sunk the Titanic. (laughs) So in, in James Cameron's version. <laughs> um, but anyway, so at some point, though, um, it kind of stopped being a party place. Um, you know, it doesn't... I think it has to do a lot kind of with the sort of fall of, um, you know, like social class and that sort of thing into the 20th century where that stops being kind like of... depression. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, the idea of, like, the aristocracy kind of going away in America and that sort of thing. Cause it, Did it, though? Well, in, the, in this way, right? Like, it, it starts to become... In the Gilded Age. It kind of becomes more blended together. And you've got the nouveau riche and that sort of thing. Um, but it stops kind of hosting these parties. It stops kind of, you know, the island itself kind of stops being a place for 
the rich. Um, I believe the state like retakes control of it because it used to be private. Um, mm. And they hang like it, it doesn't get used for anything. It kind of lays dormant, the ledge lawn in. Um, there was a fire in 1947 in Bar Harbor, destroyed a lot of the town, stopped just at the ledge lawn property. Um, the fire did not get the house. It went right up to the house and like stopped. What? Yeah, almost as if something was driving the fire away. Um, so it spared that, burned the majority of the rest of them. Um, but in 2010, it uh, was finally bought. It was kind of a sort of, um, I think it was open for tours and that sort of thing. But it was eventually bought in like 2010 by like a real estate agency that was um, turning it, turned it basically into like you can stay there. Wow, so it was just alone for a pretty long time. Yeah, it was kind of a dormant sort of, you know, large manse. Yeah. Um, and there's many a stories of people who stayed there or went in there and things they see or things they hear. They hear um, they're like a crying girl in the one room. One really creepy story is um, the ghost of a woman they see lurking about. But the story goes is that the woman finds out... Um, that her fiance is going to call off their wedding um, and she kills herself, but she kills herself by hanging herself with her own wedding veil. <laughs> yeah. Is the, is this how that story goes? It's kind of freaky. Um, she actually has a name. I think, I think she's named Mary Margaret is what they, the name that they gave that specter. It's a good um, name. Specter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's many a ghosts around there. Um, the interesting thing about it is that it's kind of like, like the remnants of the decadence of mm -hmm. that kind of that that day, and like the island itself does have a history, and it still kind of is a place where rich people go to summer. And this is kind of a a remnant of that, in that it was you know the last kind of great mansion of that type built on the yeah. island. Um, and it was used in that function until it suddenly it wasn't. And then it just kind of was quiet for a long time. And now it's it like is supposedly perfect, haunted. It's the perfect breeding ground for ghost stories. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. this faded relic of a bygone yes. age, you know, tarnished glory and, you know, the guilt has rusted. Oh, it's perfect. Oh, oh. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. So another one, a little less detailed, but I found this one interesting. So there's actually not a ton of lighthouses um, on Mount Desert Island. Um, Unusual for Maine. Yeah, right. Um, but there is one. It's not actually on Mount Desert Island itself. It's kind of on like on a rock out in the harbor. Um, but it's called the... Uh, they're always called something so stupid, like Bass Harbor Headlight. Wow. It's Bass Harbor is the name of the, like the town, but it's called Headlight. Bass Harbor Headlight is the name of the um, lighthouse. Headlight. So um, it's situated, it no longer functions as a lighthouse anymore. I don't wow. think, I think it, they've got other things for that now. I'm not sure. Um, but it's kind of out on its own in, in Bass Harbor. <clears throat> um, and officially... Um, Visitors can't go out there because I think the Coast Guard has taken control of it and kind of use it as like a dormitory of sorts. Oh, okay. Um, but one of the stories goes is that um, it was built in the 1800s, like the 1850s. Um, and, you know, guys were working on it, um, what have you. And one story goes is that um, one of the men like kind of goes missing um, and the search for him turns up only um, an axe covered in blood sitting on the rocks uh, wow. of the that would become the foundation of the of the lighthouse. Oh, um, that's so creepy. Yeah, and the missing man's never heard from or seen again. Mm. Um, but the rumor is is that he was actually cast of a monkey up into the <laughs> walls of the lighthouse. Yeah. Oh, that's so creepy. Yes, it's creepy. Um, obviously, nobody's gone to look. <laughs> right, right. So um, that's like a creepy thing. 
that it happened to the oh my god yeah. it's Defoe. he's in the wall well and that's the thing too is you know, the the lighthouse keepers kind of have like um like a string of bad luck um oh. like uh one of them uh their wife died of a heart attack while they were living at the lighthouse another one himself died at the lighthouse another one had a stroke Damn. while he was working at the lighthouse um there was one uh, who like had these terrible dreams about his wife dying while he was at the lighthouse. Like when he when he lived there, he had like just these terrible, terrible dreams every night of his wife dying, um, which obviously she eventually did because we all die. Um, but she did die while while uh, he was still working at the lighthouse. So he had like a full on Anakin Skywalker experience. Yes, essentially. Um, so it's pretty creepy. That is um, creepy. Yeah. Did you, you didn't get to go to this lighthouse? You just no, saw it? no. Um, and it's like, cause it's on the southern tip of the island and it's owned by the, uh, the Coast Guard the, now. So they don't, there. yeah, they don't really let people out there. But. I would be curious to hear their stories. Yeah. Anything weird goes on. Yeah. And then the other, there's other ones, but the other big one um, that I know because. This is like, so we were staying in Salisbury Cove, which is like a little, like there's little villages all over the island. Mm -hmm. um, and this is Salisbury Cove, um, which is just a little collection of houses in this area. Um, but in Salisbury Cove, there is the, um, I forget what it's called, but it's, I can actually look on a map, but I'll explain it to you what it is as I look for it on the map. Um, but it is a laboratory that does genetic testing. Um, oh, no. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, they do. The, it's the MDI Biological Laboratory is what it is. There That's we go. That's what they tell you it is. Well, so Charlotte's <laughs> grandparents worked there. That's how they came to have this house um, in Maine. So uh -huh. she's like, oh, yeah, like that's what they do there. That's like an actual thing that they do is genetic testing. They mostly do it on fish. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but there are stories people tell in Salisbury Cove about, like, mutant animals running around at night and that sort of thing. I did not see any, but that is, that is a, a tale. And another thing about Salisbury Cove, which is a little less rooted in fact, but it's still kind of cool, is along the one shore, there are these things called the ovens. Yeah, it's this, and you can look this up. Um, it is a bunch of basically cave-like structures and like sort of niches into the rock that have been created by like erosion from um, the tide coming in and just the way the rock formed. Like they actually study it because it's the only place on the island that this kind of phenomenon happens. Um, but it looks like ovens because it's like this black and charred looking rock and it's these like in inlet caves and that sort of thing. So it looks almost like, you know, somebody went in there with, um, you know, torches and stuff and just, you know, started scouring shit. But of course, people have legends about people going in there and making human sacrifices with fire and, and worshiping Correct. things. But um that's also in Salisbury Cove. Don't go in there. <laughs> yeah. I want to. We didn't go. I want to go Don't next go in time. <laughs> it's like a mile down the beach from the house. So. No. <laughs> um, go the other mile. Go the other. Go the other way. Um, there's also some various tales of shipwrecks as well. Um, there's one unidentified shipwreck um, that they're still studying to figure out what it was. Um, and what ship cute. it was. Yeah. And there was an urban legend kind of myth about a um, ship of... That dreams. Was, <laughs> called the ship of dreams. No, it was um, slave smugglers who were trying to smuggle slaves into, I guess, Canada maybe is what it was. Mm -hmm. um, or out of Canada or something. Um, I don't know. But the, the ship supposedly... Um, something happened, it ran aground, there was a terrible storm, what have you, and it sank. Um, and perhaps this is the ship, perhaps it is not. Um, but there is there is a shipwreck out there that they're still studying to be like, what is this? What is this? Oh, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot. Any job that would be. Yeah. Are there any local stories of um, Barry Trazier? Um, yeah, there's not. So the <coughs> the Barry Treasure story I know is actually associated with like Salem. Um, there's a tale there about a man and you can actually visit this cave and stuff in, around Salem. It's like a national park or whatever, where this guy, um, not only buried his treasure, but like, I guess something, something along the lines of the voices told him that he had to build a house or something. So he like dug out a cave for himself and stuff and you can go in there. Um, Lots of in tonight's episode. There is, <clears throat> but with Maine, there's not a ton of stories of of treasure because I don't think there was a ton of pirates up there like there were down yeah, in I guess Boston. That would be good yeah, the they mostly were down kind of in Boston in that area. Um, most of what was going on up in Mount Desert Island was like the French fighting with the English and then fighting with the Native Americans. Um, so you have that going for you. Um, Still pretty fascinating history. No, yeah, it definitely is. And who knows what else is. There was something on there that and we didn't go to called Witch Pond. So oh. I gotta go check that out. <laughs> Witch Pond? I saw that on a map. Oh, Witch Pond is Witch Pond. Yes. So um gonna go gonna go do a do a that. Let's speculate wildly about what Witch Pond is. Right. It's probably like somebody's like a lot like Anglicized last name that I'm like, um, <laughs> it is a pond formed from the blood of various sacrifices. Of various sacrifices. Um, from witches. The witches. My they shirt lived, finally came. Live deliciously. Live deliciously. Um, but yeah, so those are my, those are my spooky tales from Mount Desert Island. Those are really good spooky tales. No, they're very, they're fun. I mean, the whole, the whole place is just, it's interesting driving through Maine and just existing in Maine. You can see how it's just such fodder for, for Stephen King. Like, yeah, good, like the wilderness and like the sordid violent history between like the Canadians and, and the French and the English around Maine. And obviously like the huge Native American population, um, and like just the way that like suddenly there's nature, like kind of in pet cemetery, you know, where they're kind of in this suburban house and then you walk a mile into the woods and you go up a mountain, right? And you get to the, 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 the barrow grounds like that. You can see that in Maine, how suddenly it goes from, you know, one thing to suddenly you're in like nature, like yeah. the wilderness. Um, it's wild. So I'd like to, I'd like to go back and do some more existing in that that space yeah yeah i'd like to get up there and see it i have a feeling i would like not come back <sighs> you like, live in you live in the ovens now i live in the ovens <laughs> the ovens sound terrifying yeah yeah i wanna i'm gonna go check them out um you can go <laughs> the problem is is you have to to get there you have to wait for the tide to do certain things or else you'll get uh, stuck yeah. you'll it's get one stuck. of those things so. straight up happened to you yeah like, well, we're here for the next two hours. Like, well, let me just create my own witch pond. Yeah. So and the other thing, too, is are the loons. Like, I never heard a loon in real life until Maine. And, like, just the way that creates atmosphere. And, like, you hear that sound and you're like, was it a loon? Was it a ghost? I don't know. Was it a demon? Was it a... No. Is this the end? Yeah. But, speaking of campfire stories and places you did get to explore yes do you want to tell us a little bit about what you were up to earlier today so went on a went on a jaunt this morning circa nine o'clock ish after i had my pumpkin bread for breakfast i made some i didn't actually um yes live deliciously i did not live deliciously (laughs) Um, so as you will recall from a previous episode, we discussed the Society of the Women of the Wilderness, uh, also known as the Monks of the Ridge, uh, America's first doomsday cult, uh, located just outside, uh, well, I guess it's technically in the Philadelphia city limits, but just outside actual Philadelphia in the Wissahickon Valley. 
I still just occasionally take a moment where I'm like, wow, remember that wild story about the wilderness? <laughs> yeah, nobody <laughs> talked about it ever. And it was, yeah. so I went looking for it and I have found it. Um, and I actually did a whole Google Earth thing to see like how to park my car to get on the right trail to walk down oh my- there. And it worked. It was shocking. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we went down there. There's actually, it's Hermit Lane. Hermit Lane? And you know what's funny is, like, I've passed that so many times, but it was named for, Hermit Lane was named for, you know, this hermitage. Um, so parked on Hermit Lane, and there's a nice one of those, like, blue and gold, um, like, historical site signs that are everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for the, for Johann Kelpius and the Monks of the Ridge, you know, declaring, like, this area had been inhabited by this they didn't use the word cult in the sign but this group and it was funny because after charlotte read it because it said like oh the group disbanded after kelpius died in 1708 and she's like the fact that they like split up after he died makes me think it was a cult and i was like yes it's cult yeah um so there's actual signage about it and there's actual historical stuff about it um so we walked down uh the trail uh a bit and found um there's a stone sort of um, engraving you know, that talks about, because we don't know where this Johan guy was buried, the uh-huh. Johan Kelpius, who was the leader of this, this cult. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a stone outside this little man-made kind of cave um, that talks about him, talks about the work that they did, um, you know, and that sort of thing. And you can go in there. It's like a little, it's about the size of a spring house. Um, and it was where, according to the stone plaque he um he lived there he would go in there for meditations and sort of silent um introspection and that sort of thing but also in this area and we don't you know it's gone now i think there's a house that was built there i think it was actually built on the foundations of what used to be their tabernacle and observatory because it's on top of a hill above the cave nope 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 (laughs) but there's a house up there um but yeah, so as you'll remember, to give you guys a brief rundown, in the Wissahickon Valley, there was, um, in 1694, a doomsday cult that believed that the world was going to end in 1700, um, and they really attached themselves to that to a uh, verse in the Book of Revelations about a woman who goes in the wilderness during the apocalypse. Um, they go to do the same thing here in the Wissahickon Valley and go and contemplate things and practice Various, you know, they practice botany, astronomy, and various other things. One wild rumor is that they were in possession of the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, and then upon Kelpius's death, he ordered it to be thrown into the river, <clears throat> um, which eventually it was. Um, so, How convenient. Yeah, so... <clears throat> some rumors that the, the Schuylkill River is the final resting place of the Philosopher's Stone. Um, the Kelpius dies. <clears throat> what about um, the least likely place you would... <laughs> right? <clears throat> I know, I feel like every town could be like, oh, the Philosopher's Stone is supposed to be here. Um, but yeah, lots of various um, tall tales associated with this group, but they were a real group um, that hiked it up into the wilderness outside of what was really nothing more than a small fishing village at the time known as Philadelphia. Um and lived there for several years, doing, doing their thing. But I went there and can confirm the small cave and the various plaques and the uh, the monks of the ridge. So, what was like? What did it feel like out there? Did you like reflect on so like, I, you know, <laughs> where they had been? Like, what was? So the, the interesting thing about Wissahickon is that it's a huge... There's, like, bears out there. It's, like, wilderness. Um, Wissahickon Valley is actually... It's still technically within Philadelphia city limits, but it's, like, on the edge of what you consider Philadelphia. Like, I think if you go a mile down the road in the other direction, it's no longer Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> but it's... You know, there's a river running through it, and it is it is wilderness. Like, it is the woods, and there are, you know, there's some serious hiking out there. There are sometimes bears that wander from down there into, you know, 
this happened recently actually there was a bear at the apartment complex of a guy i work with who lives not far outside wissahickon and roxborough which is a neighborhood of philadelphia that's how wildernessy it is um but the interesting thing is that the place of this cave and where they set up is nowhere near the river um it's not like they put themselves uh near the wissahickon river or the schuylkill river or anything like that like it was a like, I wonder what made them pick. I mean, it's a little bit, it is a little bit of a ridge. Like, it's kind of up on top of a hill and it kind of looks down into the valley, but it's not near the river. Um, there's nothing about it that specifically stands out. Supposedly, they picked that area because they knew, because Kelpius was a PhD, he was a scientist, and they knew about um, sort of the, the lateral and longitudinal lines Mm -hmm. uh, and they picked it purposefully i believe it sits on i don't know anything so this could be bullshit but people say it's on the 40th parallel and that's important because it's meant to be i guess like the 40 days that jesus spent in the wilderness kind of so Mm -hmm. that would make sense to me or that they're that being a reason why they picked it because it's it's not near anything i mean even taking into account you know how it would have looked then when it was really, really wilderness. Um, it's not near either river, um, and it's not even really near any sort of um, identifying, like geological feature. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, but no, it was interesting to walk through there and think, you know, what was it like? You know, being a group of 17th century monks who journeyed into and it was like again thinking about it you know Philadelphia existed as a very tiny town on the Delaware River and if you think about it that way this is very far from Philadelphia yeah and it's a far way to go by what I assume was foot through just the woods right and that's what I'm like thinking about like they're in proper wilderness they're not by a water source Mm -hmm. like that's very interesting yeah. that a group of people would commit themselves to that kind of location at that time. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't know a lot about them. And what we know about them is mostly what other people wrote about their presence in the valley. Uh, mm. So it's worth digging into, but there's just not a lot of. It's not a lot of like. There's not a lot of information just, on them. We just know that they were out there, they existed, this was the purpose they existed for. This was the guy, this is where, you know, Johann Kelpius was from Transylvania. Um, He came out, right. Forgot that detail. Yes. Um, You know, we know he studied in Germany or whatever to get his PhD, and he came out here um, because William Penn was offering religious freedom to anyone who came out to um, his colony. So... There's the, we know the basic facts and that it happened, <laughs> but everything right. else is is what people you know legends people have told each other uh, about what was going on, and some of them come from credible sources like Henry Melchior Molenberg, who is the patriarch of Lutheranism in North America. Like he's the reason Lutheranism came to what would become the United States. You know he's an important figure. He figures in this, and he had things to say about this group. And substantiated their existence here. So it's interesting. But yeah, I can have some pics up on the Twitter to show everyone. And now you have 17 ghosts that have come back with you. Yeah, right. What's going to happen when I go to sleep tonight? We'll find out, I guess. You're going to wake up in the middle of the woods is what's going to (gasps) happen. Oh my God, could you imagine? (laughs) Just you being like, well. (laughs) I'm still in the cave. I wake up in the cave. Okay. Like going to sleep is actually waking up and oh. <laughs> I'm in the cave. But you're in the cave. But it's You've closed been there the in. Whole time. We haven't actually recorded anything. No. That's my that's the most upsetting trope for me in horror films is when they give you the extended long like you think it's good and then something happens, like they open a door and they're back in the house or they go to sleep and they wake up and they're back in the wherever, like Yeah. There, that is very upsetting. Yeah. It happens a lot. Because I think it's, it's like a universal fear. And there's like, 
and there's just that idea where like, well, well, how do I know? Like, yeah. I don't know if I'm, ex- what if I'm experiencing right now is real, you know? <laughs> I mean, we don't know if anything any of us are experiencing right now is real. We could be a giant simulation. Yeah, we could. But yeah, no, that is an actual kind of like upsetting thing I have where I'm like, what if I've been in a coma for 10 years and none of these people in my life are in- Mel hasn't recorded a podcast in 10, ten years. <laughs> um... But yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. It is interesting stuff. Spooky campfire tales and urban legends. I think that was a good second round. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have uh, either some more information about the tales that we shared, or you want to share your own local um, ghost stories, urban legends, or true crime tales, you should get in touch with us. And Miss Mel, how can they do that? They can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. They can tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus all the vowels from that word, but if that is too difficult, you can just search splatterchatter. We'll pop right up. You can leave comments on the blogs at splatter... Mm, What is it? Splatter-chatter.com. It's like the muscle memory of what I want to say. Splatter-chatter.com is our new blog home. Uh, you can leave comments there. Uh, we are on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com and Instagram at splatterchatter666. Uh, if you'd like to get more in depth, Mr. Kruggers can give you some information about that. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. You can also show us love and support by giving us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and what the hell else are we on? Stitcher. <laughs> we on Stitcher? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I was like, I know there's three. There's yeah. one, yes. Third there's one just one, one other. Fell out of my head. On any of those lovely platforms um yes and do check out the website the complete 31 by 31 challenge for this year is over there um a couple of additional posts by miss mel as well Mm -hmm. there are some things that will um will still be being published in the coming days and weeks maybe even a review of dr sleep Mm -hmm. because i put over to check that out tonight and so and so uh, now, this is going to wrap up episode 72. When we are next chatting with you guys, we, I believe, are going to be doing another booze and booze. Yes, yes. I It's not a ton of time since we just did the Mangler, but in the spirit of the holiday, we're going to cover Thanksgiving 3. <sighs> you really can't cover that movie sober. <laughs> it has to be a booze and booze, you guys. Um, be on the lookout for that shortly before the holiday. Now, until such a time as we go hunting for Thanksgiving 2, we want to remind you guys to keep up the creep. And for right now, we will say au revoir, adios, and das.